Good afternoon. We're going to look at James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The sin of partiality. Okay. Reading from verse 1. Oh, happy Father's Day. Pastor Aiden, Mr. Thomas, happy Father's Day. And uh, the rest of the fathers in the church, happy Father's Day. Hope this day is a special day for you. Uh, there will be no delivery of flowers for you, though. Um, but happy Father's Day nonetheless. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the mode of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet when we don't see the path, a light onto our path, uh, darkness around us, uh, confusion around us, chaos around us. We thank you that your word sheds light uh, onto our feet so that we know where to go how to pursue after you, how to please you. We pray that you would do that through your word and uh, help us to sit at the feet uh, of your word in uh, just with a humble attitude, wanting to become like God, um, wanting to submit to the authority of your word. Uh, so be here with us and help us to grow in our hearts, help us to grow together in our church. We depend on you. We need you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Um, okay, so I thought this would be an appropriate text to look at today since, you know, obviously these thoughts are, are on our minds. They continue to be on our minds. And uh, I'm thankful that Pastor Thomas and Jesse are organizing uh, readings and 
there will be discussion on racism. I'm very thankful for that, that we can grow together in our church and, and we'll continue to discuss and, and try to grow together with the church at large. Um, and uh, as a part of that, we'll look at this text today and try to shed more light um, through the Word of God. And uh, that's the, the, the intent of today. It's a, probably a familiar familiar passage to us, and uh, obviously the context here uh, is a lot about poor and rich and favoritism, partiality in those ways, but obviously it applies in other ways as well. So we'll look, look at that through this text. Okay, so first, uh, today I have four points, it might, might be um, you know, four instead of three, but um, okay, so first point, the heart of partiality. The heart of partiality, verse 1 says, My brother, show no partiality. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Partiality means favoritism. Some of your translations might say favoritism. Uh, treating one person unfairly over another. Treating them differently. Differently doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but treating them unfairly. Seeing them with uh, a personal bias. Partiality, favoritism. And partiality exists because of our sinful hearts. The sinful heart lives with this model, and that's what we see ever since the, the, the fall, of, fall of man. Sinful heart lives with this model that says the self, the self is supreme. I, I live to serve myself, to exalt myself. I want to be God. So that means we use whatever means to get what we want and to exalt the self. That's the, the motto of the sinful heart. And now when we look at people with that heart, obviously some people can give me what I want and some people don't give me what I want. Some people give me what I want, more of what I want. Some people give less of what I want. So we see people and treat people differently depending on how they serve, serve my desires. That's, that's the root of it, the sinful heart that seeks to gain from other people, to use other people for my self-exaltation. So the entire life framework of sinful humanity, how we see others, how we treat others, contains partiality. The sinful heart cannot help but to, cannot help but to show partiality. Uh, James says, don't show partiality. Uh, he's talking to uh, believers, my brothers, don't show partiality. And then he gives an example of what he means, of partiality. Verse 2, for if a man wearing a gold ring, fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man, shabby clothing also comes in. Now stop right there. In that moment, what are you thinking? Okay. Two people walked in, they look completely different. In that moment, what are you thinking? Already, right there in that, in that picture, we have some things in our minds based on what we see. We have stereotypes of people based on how they look on the surface. James is saying, if you treat people differently based on that, right, that's showing partiality and that's wrong. Verse 3, and if you pay attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothing and say, say, you sit here in a good place, 
Or you say to the poor man, you stand over there. Don't even sit or stand over there or sit at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Why is partiality wrong? Um, it goes back to Genesis as we consider the value of man, the dignity of man. The dignity that man has, every human being has, being made in the image of God. The one dressed poorly is not any less valuable in the eyes of God because he doesn't have money. The worth of any human being is not in how much money he or she has or doesn't have. It's not determined by a person's skin color. Each person is valuable equally because every person is made in the image of God. Now, the factors that go into showing partiality is not only uh, surface level things, not only visible things, outward appearance kinds of things like clothing or skin color, but it could be other things too. It could be internal things too, right? Like you talk to someone for a while and then you realize, hey, this person has poor grammar. And then because of that, because of that observation, now you begin to see them differently or treat them different, differently because you, you see that they're not well-educated. Right? That's also partiality. It's not like a super surface thing, but it's, it's still a superficial thing because it's not evaluating the person. Or you might talk to them, and then you realize after a while that the stuff they believe in, the principles that they hold, doesn't line up with what you believe. And because of that difference, now you begin to treat them differently. Those are all examples of partiality. Again, noticing the difference in people is not wrong. But what we see, right, what we see and then like we notice the difference, what we see now gets mixed in with our hearts. Our hearts, our self-exalting, self-serving hearts and when it gets mixed in with the sinful heart, what comes out is not a Christ-like, righteous, and loving treatment of others, but partiality. Even for people who might be pretty good at treating people fairly on the outside, right? Like you're the type of person who smiles at everyone. But your heart is still sinful. So because of the heart, you cannot help but to still show some favor of some people over others because the heart of partiality. Secondly, the evil, the evil of partiality. Verse 4, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? He says uh, when you do that, when you show partiality, he says you become judges. Judges with evil thoughts. A judge was someone who had the right to render a decision in legal matters. A judge has to listen to a case and make a decision, like he has to judge, right? But the judge was expected to judge righteously. He cannot be partial in his decision based on how rich or poor a person is. He has to judge fairly to both parties. And that's the problem that James identifies in favoritism. The problem is not that you're judging, right, or that you're observing or that you're making evaluations, but that you're judging with thoughts, he says, thoughts and desires that are evil. So 
If you see a person in the corner, right, on the street corner holding up a sign, and, and you see that and then you think, wow, his clothes are so shabby, and then from that thought it goes to, I should buy him some new clothes. There, you're judging him based on his appearance, but you're judging with good thoughts. But if you see that person, and then you think, oh, man, how did that person follow me here to SVC? I hope he doesn't sit next to me. Now I'm judging with evil thoughts. So judging, observing, evaluating, that in itself is not bad. But we make distinctions where we shouldn't be making distinctions. To the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet because this person does not benefit me. Making distinctions with evil thoughts. I have nothing to gain from this person, so I treat him poorly. But to the rich, or you sit here in a good place because he does have something he can offer me. Or he at least has the ability, not necessarily to give me something, but at the very least, like, I am lifting myself up by association with this person who has this kind of reputation or something like that. Making distinctions where we shouldn't be making distinctions. So partiality is everywhere where sinners exist. It's there in, in your school. You favor the smart person over the average student. It's there at work. You favor your boss over the intern. It's, it's here at church. You favor the person with the title, maybe. The person with visible, outwardly visible talents. The person with a good personality over the person with a not-so-good personality. The person who's considered or known to be spiritually mature. All of those kinds of people might be the ones we show partiality are partial toward. And partiality definitely exists in society. Anywhere where sinners exist, there's partiality. And that's why, that's why partiality is evil. It's rooted in my self-love. The, the, the self-love where the ultimate goal is self-exaltation. We should be treating everyone the way we want to be treated, but we make inappropriate distinctions out of the sinful heart that says, I want to be God. The heart of partiality, the evil of partiality, thirdly, the dishonor of partiality. Verse 5, listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? So now James says, basically he says, God doesn't show partiality. Right? Rich or poor, it doesn't matter to God. The poor have just as much of a chance to go to heaven as the rich. Because the only distinction God sees is faith in Jesus Christ. So anyone who loves Jesus receives the promise of salvation. You see, when we show favoritism, we favor those who benefit us, right? Or give us something in return. We already said that. That's not how it works with God because God doesn't need anything from, from anyone, right? For God so loved the world, John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his one and only son. So sinners live to get, 
God lives to give. He gave his one and only son. So God doesn't need anything from us. That's not in his nature. So God shows no partiality. Verse 6, but you have dishonored the poor. But you, right, after, meaning, but you are different from God. You dishonor the poor man. You have taken away his honor. By showing partiality, you have robbed him of his dignity. By treating him like that, by talking to him like that, by seeing him like that, with that heart, you have robbed him of his dignity. And that's why being, being on the wrong end of partiality feels so bad. Um, you know, this happened many years ago. But like it, it happened many years ago when I was a pastor. Okay? I did this many years ago when I was a pastor. I went to play basketball at the campus gym, and the gym was packed. It's probably about a four or five game wait, which, which means it's like uh, at least an hour wait to, to get on the court. And the way it works is if you win, you stay on the court and you play on. If you lose, you, gotta, you, go, you go to the end of the line again. You got to wait like another hour to play your next game. So you could be there like one hour, play two hours, play two games, and then you go home. I got there this day, and then I'm at the end of the line waiting to play. I didn't have a team yet, and I'm hoping I can get on a good team or get good people on my team so that we can win so that you don't have to, you know, have to wait so long. And generally the way it works is you pick up the people on your team in the order they come into the gym, right? It's fair, right? It's like integrity. It's fair. Someone walked into the gym after me, and uh, he found out that I have the last game. So he asked me, Pastor Jung, Pastor Jung, my pastor, <laughs> you who are my pastor, you, my Pastor Jung, do you have five? I didn't have five. But honestly, <laughs> it was like he was really bad at basketball. And if he's on my team, there's a very good chance we'll, have, we'll lose, and then I'll have to wait another hour. I didn't have five. Pastor John, do you have five? I said, yeah, I have five. He paused. He looked puzzled. Because he kind of knew, you know. <laughs> he paused. He goes, oh, okay, and then he walked away. I did this to this guy who, who went to our church. Uh, this was probably like 15 years ago, maybe. Uh, but I still remember it to this day. And like every time I think about it, like it pains me. It pains me when I think about like how I made him feel in that moment. And probably like when he went home that night and like thought about it. And probably for the rest of his life, whenever he saw me preach, like he probably thought about it. So I judged him. I judged him with my selfish thoughts, my selfish desires. I lied to him because I wouldn't benefit from him being on the basketball court with me. I dishonored him as a person and robbed him of his dignity. Okay. And he probably felt horrible, like being on the wrong end of partiality. 
That's what happens when we disrespect and dishonor another human being made in the image of God. And that's the thing. Some people are left to feel like that every day by the rest of society. Some people feel like that even in their own family. Some people are made to feel like that even by their own parents. That's why to dishonor, the dishonor, the dishonor of partiality feels so horrible. But God is not like that, James says. The poor in the world are rich in faith. God has chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith. They also inherit the, the kingdom of God as God's children. That means heaven will be filled with people that we chose not to care for on earth. So we need to think about that. We need to think about that and then evaluate, right? Like, it, like if I need to evaluate it in my heart. Like, I need to evaluate how I interact with other human beings in my life today. Because God shows no partiality. Fourthly, lastly, the answer to partiality. Verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture... You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So James says then now, the opposite of showing partiality is love, right? Don't show partiality. Really fulfill the royal, this, this really important law in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing well. So the opposite of showing partiality is love. The opposite of partiality is not impartiality, Right? So, so the solution, the, the, the solution to showing what, like how, what is the solution to showing partiality? I show partiality in my life. I need to change it. What is the solution to showing partiality? The answer is not, oh, just don't discriminate. You cannot keep yourself from discriminating if there is no love in the heart. So the opposite of partiality is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others with honor. Treat them the same way that you want to be treated with the love that comes from God. That's the opposite of partiality. When I hear stories of um, um, black men being pulled over because they're driving in a nice car, Right? Just being pulled over drive because they're in a nice car. Or, or a black man's alarm goes off in his own house and the police come and then they, they instantly pull their gun on him and treat him like he's a criminal because he's black in his own house. I hear stories like that. Like, I mean, it, you cannot help but like, feel angry about it. When I see those old black and white videos of how black Americans were treated in the past, right? It's just like, it makes you angry. That's like, you don't treat a human being like it, it just makes you angry. And then you see like, not black and white videos, color videos, and then the, how they're treated in society today, how similar that is. Angry. Now from that place of anger, and this, is, and this is what I mean. From that place of anger, I'm in no position to be a part of the solution. 
Because the opposite of racism is not like policies that promote equity. The solution is not like financial, more financial resources given by corp, like, you know, big corporations for re-educating America. And all of those, of course, they're good things. Those are valuable things. But those things will not solve the heart problem of racism. There's only one solution to racism, and that's love. It's love that comes from God through Jesus Christ. And if I don't have that love in my heart, right, I just get angry looking at that, become indignant. Without love in my heart, love that comes from God through Jesus Christ, then I cannot be helpful to the problem of racism in the world. So I need to repent, become more like God, be, become less like myself, become more like God, receive God's love. And be a part of the process to help. Verse 9, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin, are committed, and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. For you said, do not commit adultery, but also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, have you, you have become a transgressor of the law. I think the point here is that the sin of partiality is serious. It's as if James is asking these believers, is adultery sin? Right? If you commit adultery, have you transgressed the law? Of course. How about murder? Is that a terrible sin? Of course. Then he says, what about partiality? And then when he asks that question, there's a pause. Because we don't think it's that bad. And he's pointing out that that's how we view the sin of partiality. We don't think it's a big deal, but partiality is sin. We are unlike God when we show partiality. Verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Interesting, it's interesting here that he calls it the law of liberty. If James here said, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law, that means one day God will judge you according to whether you showed partiality or not, right? If you did show partiality in your life, then you will be punished. If you didn't show partiality, then you will be exonerated of that sin, right? That's what it means to be judged under the law. But he says, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Because he's talking to believers, right? Back in verse 1, my brothers, don't show partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So the command not to show partiality is directly tied to the fact that you are believers in Jesus Christ. And along with that comes a different relationship to the law of God. Before you had faith in Jesus, the law was there to teach you God's moral standard. And you just had to, you know, try to keep it as best as you could. After faith in Jesus, you are given in Jesus Christ the power and freedom to obey the law. Because in Jesus Christ, the power of sin, through his death and resurrection, the power of sin has been broken 
And so the believer is no longer a slave to sin. That's why before Jesus, the sinner could not help but to show partiality. Now after Jesus, a sinner can choose to love. So James is saying, speak and act like believers who have been given the freedom to obey the word of God, to become like God, to demonstrate the character of God. Don't show partiality, but rather choose to love. God sees with his eyes of love. So in the power of God, love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.13, Galatians 5.13.14. For you were called to freedom, right? Law of liberty. Through Jesus, you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now with the, the, the choices and the ability that you have to, to make decisions against, like, you know, against sin, now through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, that means before Jesus, you followed that, the evil system of the world where just like the, the rest of the world, you just interact with people and then you just leave people feeling horrible. I have five. But now through Christ, through your interactions, because you can choose to love, now you can interact with people and then you can leave them feeling, feeling great. Right? You can leave them in that internal feeling fantastic because now... We are free to love. Verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Those who do not show mercy reveal that they have not, revealed, they have not received mercy. Those who do not show mercy to others reveal that they have not received mercy from God. But those who have received mercy from God will show mercy because the way that we treat others is a reflection of the grace that we've received from God through Jesus Christ. So may we go about our human interactions, evaluating ourselves first, repenting of our sins, receiving God's love, and go about demonstrating the love of God, showing mercy, caring for people, the world does not care for. A few weeks ago, I'll just conclude with this. A few weeks ago, I, I was looking out my uh, window, and I saw a man in a hard hat and a neon yellow vest come into our backyard to, I guess, do some, something on the power line, and he needed to walk through our backyard to access the power line. I didn't know who this person was, who he worked for, I just assumed he worked for the city or the power company just because of the way he was dressed. In any case, the first thing I thought when I saw that was, there's a stranger in my property. And along with that thought, there's a stranger in my property. I, 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 and then I, I thought, I have to keep the kids out of the backyard. I have to protect the kids, right? Because stranger danger. And then I forgot about it. Um, and then, like, another guy walked in. So then now two strangers in the backyard. 
forgot about it and then like just went and did something else. Later that evening, I was talking to Christine and she told me, oh, did you notice? Like there were two people in the backyard and she noticed them too. And then she said she went out and gave them each a bottle of water. <laughs> and she said that, I go, oh, okay, that's good. It's good. It's good you did that. You see, I saw these men. I saw them. I was like, stranger, danger, suspicious. What are you doing here, my property, where I pay taxes? Right? I got my eyes on you. To her, she was like, it's hot. They could probably use some cold water. Uh, last week, we saw, who is my neighbor, right? Like, who is my neighbor? How can I do minimum? But then when the heart is filled with love, we begin to see neighbors all around us. That's what Pastor Thomas talked about. And the love in our hearts that comes from God begins to overflow in all circumstances. I think in the, uh, because of what's happening today and, uh, you know, the, the, the cultural movement and things like that, like we're inclined to ask the question now, like, like I see the problem, what can I do? What can I do to promote justice? Or, or what are we going to do at CLC to fight against injustice? And those are excellent questions to ask because when we look at the word of God and then we look at our hearts, there's so many ways that we fall short of the righteousness of God. So my answer to those questions will always be, first, will first always be, what can I do? What should we do? Will always be, we need to repent. We need to repent. Go to the cross. Become like God. Receive the love of God. And if we do that right, if we do that well, if we do that continually, if that's the, 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 the default posture of our hearts, then I would argue that we won't be asking the question, what can I do? Because that heart will inevitably overflow in love. I see neighbors all around me. I see problems all around me that I can go and, and be a part of the process to help. That heart, that transformed heart, will care about racism out of love, out of love of my neighbor. Not only about racism, but will care about so many other injustices that we see around us out of the, the righteous heart, out of the loving heart that is like God. And this isn't really relevant to the story, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. There are two workers in our backyard. One of the workers was black, and the other was white, and Christine, my wife, is Asian. And that's really a beautiful picture of how God intended humanity to function. People of all colors caring for and serving one another. And the point is, it begins here. 
right? It begins here in my heart. It begins here in the church. As we repent of our sins, go to God and receive his love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Once again, we ask that you would help us to have the posture, humble posture uh, of uh, submitting ourselves uh, to your word. We confess, recognize that we are so unlike God. God is like this, but I am in many ways so different. Pray that you would transform our hearts as we daily go to the cross and uh, use your word, use the means of prayer to change our hearts so that through the love that comes from God, through the righteousness that comes from God, we can care for the neighbors around us and promote justice, show mercy, and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gospel story. It's amazing that you, out of your love for the world, gave your one and only son to die as a sacrifice for sin, that you actually gave your son, the life of your son, to die on the cross for our sins, that we might have eternal life. And as we even look at that, the heart of the gospel like that, we recognize that there's so much, uh, so much in us that is not like God and so much of uh, self-righteousness in us when we look at even the climate today where we fight against one another thinking that we're right or we're better. Um, ignoring the fact that we are all just completely unlike God. So help us to uh, humbly come before you, repent of our sins, learn what it means to sacrifice our own child for the sake of someone else, the heart of God. And uh, from that place of humility and understanding and love, Help us to be part of the solution. Uh, help us to grow in those ways, even as a church. Pray that you would bless efforts that we make to discuss, um, even through the, the reading group or other, other discussions that we have in our small groups and even the leadership as we continue to discuss. We pray that you would help us not to be swayed uh, by so many of the voices and things around us, but help us, Lord, to become more and more like Jesus Christ and truly be different from the world because of the likeness of Christ. We depend on you. We know that where there's command, there's power. So we appeal to your promise of empowerment. Uh, and uh, that's where we place our hope. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen your people, different things that we might be going through in our lives. Help us to know that you see us not with partiality, that you care for the rich and the poor, that you saw upon Leah 
in her pursuit of uh, a husband, in her pursuit of children, and uh, and that you led her to a place to just truly worship you and praise your name because she was favored by God. Help us to know that no matter what circumstances we go through, that you love us with an infinite love that the world cannot match or fathom. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the unchanging covenant love of the Father God, the fellowship, the strength, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.